What's up, everyone? Listen, we are back this season three. This is episode 11 of the Government Coins podcast. And today we are going to talk about strategies for doing business with state and local government agencies. Now, I told you, season three was going to be focusing on state and local government opportunities. So why wouldn't I bring a specialist in who focuses on working with businesses to get them into the state and local government space. So today, without further ado, I am not going to talk y'all head off, but we have Mr. Al Gordon on the call today. Al, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'm super excited to get into this interview because I know about the work that you do, uh, but I know that everyone else is going to be extremely interested in it as well. But before we do that, would you mind telling people a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. So I, um, after I graduated from law school, I went to Fordham Law School in New York City. I joined New York State government, uh, and I worked in a governor's office in New York State for about 10 years in a variety of capacities, uh, which really gave the idea for the firm that I uh, helped start back in 1996 called National Strategies. But I live right outside Washington, D.C. I have two kids and focus a lot on the state and local government market. Nice. So national strategies. Uh, immediately, that word strategy in there kind of gives us the idea of there has to be some secret behind doing this work. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about national st strategies? Sure. So we are a state and local government consulting firm. We're kind of unusual in that we're based in Washington, D.C., and we do not focus on the federal government, <laughs> only state and local. And we have two divisions. The first division helps companies sell to the state and local government market across the country. So we cover the entire country, and I'll explain how in, in a second. Uh, but we do have a second division as well, which focuses on government relations, more traditional policy work, could be legislative, regulatory in nature. Uh, for me, I always understood the state and local government market is very fragmented. It's highly political, much political than the federal government market. And the way we deal with that is that we've built a network of consultants. We call them consultants. Other people can call them lobbyists. But we have a network of a little over 2,500 consultants across the United States. It's a large network because we cover each of the 50 states. We cover the mid to large size cities and counties. We cover the largest 100 school districts public higher education, as well as various authorities, airports, transit agencies, housing authorities. And so we have these consultants in the network, which help our clients gather intelligence, build sales pipeline, facilitate introductions to relevant decision makers. So we just passed $34 billion in new revenue that we generated for our clients. So a lot of success. $34 billion. Wow. Just bringing that in for, for now you say you work with medium to larger cities and counties. Um, what size of the, would, would be the businesses that you would say you work with? So businesses, we have our, our clients fall into three categories. A third of our clients are big. They're global companies uh, and very large presence. A third are what we call mid-sized companies, and those are between 50 million in revenue and a billion in revenue. And then a third of our clients are under 50 million in revenue. So we have 
bit of history, interestingly enough, with fairly small companies that were just breaking into the state and local government market and some studies uh, of success with those. Nice, very nice. And for those businesses, um, well, just before I go too deep, but what is there a trend in terms of the type of businesses that you work with as well? So our businesses fall into sector practices. The mm -hmm. businesses we represent our largest sector practices: technology, IT uh, companies, but we also do work in healthcare, education, energy, and the environment, public safety, and law enforcement. Smart cities, which is a new sector practice, because there are a couple of hundred cities around the United States that are looking for smart solutions yeah, with sure. financial services as well. So clients typically fall into one of those vertical markets. Mm -hmm. Oh, I left out transportation and infrastructure as well, mm -hmm. which is very important. Of course, as a, one of the bigger ones as well, uh, with the new bill and the money. Oh, that yeah. Out, so. oh yeah, a lot of money, a lot of money flowing now. <laughs> exactly. So it's trickling down, definitely making sure. And now for smaller businesses, those ones that are under that $50 million in red revenue, what are some of the strategies that you usually recommend to them in terms of getting started and they never done business with the, any government agencies before? Well, the first thing I always say is do not chew off too much. Mm -hmm. You become big overnight and you also have to Take into account the resources you have and not try to go too big too fast. Got it. One of the things to th there are two directions to go in if you're starting. The first direction is where are you based? What's what local government? Because a lot of smaller companies, the first project they win in the state and local government is with their own state or with their own city or their own county because they have a presence there, right? And you have employees there. You contribute to the tax base. And so the first thing I always say is get involved in your community. When you're at events, start saying hello to your state representatives, your city council members, your county uh, commissioners, whatever the case may be, and start getting embedded in the community because those are really good uh, potential contracts for you because you have that connection to the community. So one approach is start small and start focused on your own community, state, city, or county. Second is most small companies cannot sell directly to the state and local government market in a broad geography. It takes too many resources to do so. So the second area of focus would be looking at partnerships, uh, looking for an organization that uh, is complementary to yours in terms of solutions that you can partner with and, um, and they can help expand your bandwidth uh, because hopefully you're picking a larger partner and they might even have some projects that they want to bring you into. And, you know, I, I always like to say uh, in government, there, there was always the old saying that you never get fired if you hire IBM, right? That was what they used to say years ago because government market is fairly risk averse uh, the people who are making decisions about buying solutions want to make sure that the solution is going to work and it's there's no risk. And so what's important for a smaller company is to develop a case study, a reference, some project that you've been able to execute. And once you execute that, you can then start going to other 
geographic markets and say, hey, I did this in my home state. Now I could do it in the next door state or the next door city and start expanding the presence. And I think that's really important. Don't bite off more than you can chew and, and, and start with a very focused effort in a place where you have some connection. Very nice. So that final part is, is, is simple, simple, you know, develop a case study. So kind of in, a, in a, a way using that past performance that you have, whether, you know, it's in with that particular city, what do you recommend in terms of if there were commercial companies before? Can you use a, or leverage a case study for that as well? You know, you can because for government officials, they are going to want to see that you're successful somewhere, right? If you don't have any uh, projects in government and you're going to your home state, your home city, your home county, using commercial case studies is fine to show proof of concept and to show that you can actually execute what you're saying you're going to do so they don't think of you as a complete startup with no proven. Uh, but, but, you know, clearly government case studies work better than commercial case studies in the government market. Got it. Okay. And then I, I noticed you also, you, you definitely mentioned that you're in um, DC, but you are strategic because you only focus on state and local. And that's pretty funny because everyone that's in DC does federal contracting work. Um, but what would you say are some of the key differences between uh, state and local contracting compared to federal government space? Yep. So a couple of key differences. Well, first of all, you have a fragmented market in the state and local government market with a lot of different processes and ways that states and various local governments buy things, right? The procurement's never the same, um, different processes, different decision-making, different people involved, as opposed to the federal government, where there's a little bit more uniformity uh, in the way the federal government buys things. The second major difference is the political nature of state and local versus federal. If you go into the federal government market selling, you're not gonna meet, and you're selling to the Department of State, you're not going to meet with the Secretary of State or the Deputy Secretary of State or the Assistant Secretary of State. You're going to be down in the organization. But in state and local government market, many times you meet chiefs of staff, director of operations, even elected officials. Um, so you're at a higher level decision maker in state and local uh, than you are in federal and in a much more political environment where you have to balance and a lot of companies uh, always have to think about this, you have to balance top down against middle and bottom up, right? Because it, you don't want to upset the program managers who you ultimately make the decision and you'll be working with. But at the same time, many of the decisions are driven by the more political higher levels in the government. So you have to work top down and bottom up simultaneously, which makes it more complex, more complicated. Got it. And I'll, I'll definitely say the same. I'll say when I initially got started into uh, the contracting space, the federal government is where I started. Um, so moving from that to state and local and the market being fragmented, it just felt so unorganized and just, it was a lot. <laughs> so It is a lot. And, you know, it's interesting for small companies. I, I met with a small company 
uh, earlier this week. And they said to me, they said they, they were based in Maryland. Mm-hmm. The good news was they won a contract with the state of Maryland. So then they said, oh, we're going to go to Delaware and Virginia. And they, they said, when we went to Delaware and Virginia, everything was completely different. Mm-hmm. Like we had done in Maryland wasn't <laughs> really going to work. And I said, that's the, the, the complexity of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so learning that over time is really important as you grow. Stay focused first, but then make that attempt to grow. You have to realize it's going to be different in every state, every city, every county. Absolutely. Even down to the software solutions they use. Um, yeah. <laughs> and th- so uh, I have another question in terms of strategy. So what in, for smaller businesses who were getting started co- at the state level compared to like their local and city levels, uh, would you be able to give us some strategies for each of those in terms of well, if I wanted to start with the state versus if I needed to go down to city hall and meet the council members? So the first thing I always say is start with research. Like understand what, and the research should be in two directions. Number one, what are the relevant needs of the state, city, or county? And there are ways of figuring out the relevant needs of states, cities, and counties. You can look at speeches given by governors, mayors, county executives. You can look at the minutes of state legislative meetings, city council meetings, uh, county commissioner meetings. So do your research. When I was in government, in New York state government, I met with a lot of vendors uh, during a two-year period in the governor's office. And I found that maybe 50% of them did not do research. Like if they had done a little research, they would have realized right off the bat that they had something that we were interested in, but they didn't even know it. They came in, it was, it was almost as though they were coming in trying to throw everything against the wall and hopefully something will stick, right? And that never works because you have a short amount of time. Your first meeting with government officials is the most important meeting. That it's, and, and this is very important for vendors to understand. The first meeting is the most important. And it's not a meeting just to throw a lot of stuff out. It's a meeting where you should have a plan. So I always say two pieces of research to do before you go in. One, understand the needs. What's going on? What are, what, what's keeping them awake at night that you have a relevant solution? And then number two, do your research on the stakeholder. Who, who is it that are the decision makers related to what you want to sell? And do a little background on them. What's their bio? Uh, what, what are they interested in? What organizations are they part of? And so that helps you do two things. Number one, try to find the right person to start with. Number two, helps your messaging with that right person when you start. And number three, helps you create a presentation for them that matches up with their needs. Because ultimately, that's what you have to do. You have to match up with their needs and you have to do it quickly. You don't have many chances to do it. Got you. Okay. So that's a really good point because we have someone who uh, just asked a question about getting janitorial or commercial cleaning contracts in, you know, municipalities. So the, the first step is really figuring out, do they even purchase this? Who is in charge of managing this? How do I reach out to that particular, you know, person within that department? Is that what we're saying, Al? Yeah, and, and if it's something as janitorial, 
services, there's a couple of things that a company can do. So number one, there are some services around, that are sold for the state and local government market that do provide contract information related to specific solutions. So in other words, you can purchase from a vendor, uh, put in janitorial services as a keyword, and they could print out the relevant contracts. You could even say, I only want janitorial service contracts in the state of Georgia or South Carolina. And they would print out whatever they have, which would show you who holds the janitorial contract today, uh, when it is up for renewal, which is the key part, right? Because if, an, if a government signed a janitorial contract two months ago that goes five years, don't go after that target, right? If they signed it three years ago and it goes one more year, well, that's a great target. And maybe what you need to do is figure out who's on that contract, which you could figure out from the information you get from a vendor and then approach that. Are you happy with the services? Uh, is it something that you want an alternative? So uh, for specific solutions like that, I think the important thing is to get your arm around the market uh, wherever you are geographically to understand what's the current state and then build off of that based on what the current state is. Now, we also have another business uh, and they just mentioned they're in the transportation pay, uh, space and they do delivery uh, for items like tools, parts and materials. For those type of projects, they're usually micro purchases uh, because it's a quick to and from situation. What are some strategies you recommend to businesses about going after those opportunities and also pitching their business if it's not uh, considered, uh, I guess, something traditional in the terms of you know janitorial cleaning? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, um, government is state and local government is changing pretty rapidly these days. There are a lot of, I mean, I mentioned before smart cities, but you could really say smart government. The first thing you have to do is figure out which governments are leading the charge for smart solutions. And it's only probably about 10 to 15% of governments in the United States. So I always like to say, you know, in addition to doing research on what is the government's needs or who are stakeholders? You have to pre-qualify specific targets. So if you're selling something that is cutting edge, you don't want to be selling, you don't want to be approaching governments that aren't cutting edge, right? So you have to narrow the universe of your targets based on certain criteria. Like we talk a lot about criteria. Like sit down as a company. Put down on a piece of paper, what are the criteria of a good target within the state and local government market that we should be looking at? And then once you figure out those criteria, create a list of geographic markets, cities, counties, states that fit the criteria. And so the first thing I would always say to an organization that has something that's a little more cutting edge uh, is it's not going to be for the whole country. It's not going to be for every state, city, and county. So you have to put, you have to do your due diligence to figure out where which governments are moving in that kind of direction. That's a nice uh, a nice push, especially for startups. So we've been in a startup space 
um, and definitely understand how that can be offsetting. You can't go after everyone in those spaces. So definitely a lesson well learned. <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting is that a lot of companies that I talk to, after a year of going after the state and local government market, and I say to them, so what's your biggest takeaway after mm -hmm. they say, ah, making smarter decisions about what target to pursue and what not to pursue, and also making quick decisions to drop targets. Yes. That they're not a good target. Sometimes people always try to push through that, even if they're getting non-buying signal, mm -hmm. drop it. Find somewhere else. It's a huge mm -hmm. market. So it's not a problem to do so, you know. That's a big lesson. Don't be afraid to walk away. Yeah, I don't like be afraid that. to walk away. That walking away is the greatest thing. It's funny with our clients sometimes. I always say to them, when we tell you there's no potential in a market, you, that should be really good news for you. Because mm -hmm. it's that we're really discerning about what's a good target, what's not a good target. And it also saves you money yes. from doing that bad target. And one thing an agency will do, they will string you along. Uh, so <laughs> like a bad relationship, they will string you along and they don't plan to buy a thing from you. So listen, y'all. <laughs> and, and, and also, by the way, a lot of those government entities are just trying to learn from you, right? That is true. Uh, an exercise on learning something with no intent to seriously contract with you. And that's, you got to prevent that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man, I'm having flashbacks. Uh, let's get to our next question. <laughs> so how does a business market to state and local government agencies? So I think there's two things you need to think about. So number one is if you're starting off and you're taking the advice of sticking to your community, your state, your city, your county, start going to local events. Uh, you know, local events are a great way of meeting local elected officials, local appointed officials. You can even go to your city council meeting. Uh, it's open to the public. You go, people usually, you know, greet people at the end of the meeting. So just try to get involved a little bit more in the community. And community events are really a great way of meeting relevant people. The second thing to think about and this is a good part of learning process as well as business development is that there are a lot of conferences, uh, conferences that government officials attend. Most of the conferences, there are two types of conferences. One type of conference is more of a, a league of cities, conference of mayors, association of counties, where they get, you know, all the cities, counties, from around the country get together once or twice a year. And there's typically an expo as part of that. So you can have a booth, the company can have a booth and people walk around and there's a lot of very interesting discussions. So one part of conferences uh, would be what I would call, you know, the target related conferences in terms of your business development target, sales target. The second are sector con uh, conferences. Um, I was, I just came back uh, yesterday from the National Association of State CIOs. Um, that's NACIO, and that's all your state CIOs. So if you're in the IT business, great place to be. 
Uh, there are only about 900 people. Most of the 50 state CIOs attend. But you have those types of events for each vertical, whether it's healthcare commissioners or transportation commissioners, uh, public safety next week is uh, International Association of Chiefs of Police uh, in Dallas. Uh, so if you have a public safety company, the, all the chiefs of police will be in one convention uh, in Dallas for three days. So picking out good events to attend is a great way to start learning about the market, but also getting your, your solution out there and talking to people and learning from those conversations. And I'm just grabbing a few of these links they, uh, for these associations and organizations you mentioned, and I'm just dropping them in the chat casually. Take a look at some of them. Some of um, some of them will be, you know, great to even just get an idea. Um, and then for the industry focused ones, I know sometimes that can be a little bit harder to find, but how do you usually identify industry focused conferences that are also focused on government agencies? You know, sometimes, as strange as it seems, we just start Googling, <laughs> uh, you know, like health commissioner conference, state health commissioner conference, uh, state transportation director or commissioner conference, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, state uh, CIO conference, uh, you know, it, it, because there are quite a few of them. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. There are multiple conferences per uh, sector. So, you know, if you just start searching around, you'll find uh, the good ones. Uh, and by the way, uh, one interesting thing is if you're a small business and you want to be careful with your costs, there are usually two types of fees for these conferences. One is to go to all the sessions to listen to the speakers and this and that. And those are usually a little bit of expensive, but they also sell an expo only pass. And the expo only pass is usually like hundred or $200, maybe even you know, a little bit more, but that doesn't give you access to the sessions. It gives you access to the floor to walk around and meet people. And sometimes for a small company, that's all you really need in that those first conferences that you're going to attend. There have definitely been multiple times that I've just, I'm just going for the, the to meet and greet portion um, yeah. conference. So definitely yeah. then. Okay. And uh, this other question is, is around the conversation of certifications. So we always push, you know, certifications. How big of a role would you say certi certifications have played uh, in your experience? I'd say bigger. It's a big impact. I mean, for businesses that are small businesses or women, minority, veteran, uh, disabled, uh, any, any kind of special designation, it's not going to mean everything everywhere. So this, this is the fragmentation of the market again. Not every state, not every local government has advantages for those types of businesses, but many do, many do. And many actually dictate the percentage of contracts that must come from a special designated company, whether it's small, women-owned, et cetera. And so uh, getting that designation can create a very significant advantage. 
in selling. And it also, you remember at the beginning, we were talking a little bit about, well, how do you start? Well, one part of starting is partnership development. And a lot of partners, particularly larger companies, are looking for partners that are small businesses or women-owned. And so it gives you a little bit of an advantage in the partnership discussions. Yeah, I I like that. That's a really good way to put it. Uh, We try to tell people like, don't go overboard, just take, get what you need because you'll be getting certified for years to come. Uh, So definitely that. (laughs) I think that's, for some companies, for whatever reason, they feel like it's, you know, a little time consuming to finish Mm -hmm. the, but it's worth it. It's worth it. it. In the end, you can actually sometimes track your revenue that comes from that designation. So it's worth spending some time on. Nice. And most of it is just paperwork. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Well, um, I wanted to just get a little bit more in- information and feedback of how, how a small business can work with national strategies. Um, and yeah, just give us some of that information about how, how a business could work with you. You know, I mean, it's interesting. Maybe I'd give you a case study. Um, because sometimes case studies are really helpful for people to visualize, you know, how something comes together. So we did work, um, it was years ago for a health technology company that had developed the technology to identify fraud and abuse in Medicaid systems. So in Medicaid, unfortunately, uh, which is a state program uh, for people who have needs, uh, in terms of healthcare needs, uh, can't afford uh, their own insurance. Um, there's a lot of uh, fraud and abuse, unfortunately, in the system. And states do want to go after, identify that fraud and abuse. This was a company that had no contracts, uh, just the technology. And so what did we do? First thing we did was we figured out what's the criteria of a good target. We tried to find information on states that had experienced fraud and abuse in Medicaid. And we found a number of states that had instances that were embarrassing related to fraud and abuse. Second thing we did was we identified the decision makers, stakeholders related to fraud and abuse in those states. And we started doing outreach to those stakeholders to say, okay, we've got this technology Uh, They can help you identify the fraud and abuse as it's occurring uh, and help you prevent it. Um, We realized that the company was a startup, not small. It was a startup. They had no projects. And so we decided to offer states a contingency-only deal. In other words, don't pay the company anything. Pay them 20% of anything that they identify and help collect. And that pushed a state over the top to move forward with them because there was little risk, right? The state wasn't paying them any money. If they found nothing, they'd pay them nothing. If they found a dollar, they'd pay them 20 cents. If they found a million dollars, they'd pay them a good amount of money. Interestingly enough, that state became their best uh, customer. Uh, We ended up winning 16 state contracts for them and they ended up selling to a larger company, but that state, ended up being the best uh, customer they ever had. And so you could see the way we work with organizations is criteria good target, put together a list of targets, and then go out 
and pre-qualify those targets which are interested, set up warm introductions to the stakeholders to validate the opportunity because you have to validate it. And then if you validate it, go out and pursue uh, and capture it. Uh, but if you do the pre-qualification and the validation, you're halfway there. Now you know you have a warm lead that's interested in your solutions. Um, so, you know, for us, we always go through a very disciplined process to build the pipeline, validate the pipeline, and then pursue and capture it. And, and that's critical for large, mid-sized, or small companies. Very, very nice with that one. I like that. Um, so I, everyone, I have already added the link to national strategies in the description box below. If you are interested in, you know, trying to really better that pipeline of business, we talk about that, you know, seldomly, but you do need to have a pipeline. You do need to pre-qualify those leads before you go out and you just start emailing a thousand people. Um, but yeah, so again, the information is in the comment section below. If you have gained something, let's talk, drop in the comment section, what's one of your biggest takeaways from this particular episode? And we'll, we'll hop, I'll mention it and we'll see what we can do to get Al back on the podcast to talk a little bit more about some of the case studies and things that they've already done. But in the meantime, this has been an awesome episode. Al, how are you feeling? I, I, thanks for having me. I think great service you're providing to people, you know, because I think for small businesses, it's a challenge and yeah. you a lot of direction through your episodes. So I really applaud you for that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but that is it, everyone. Do not forget to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. Do not forget and make sure you like this video so that more people can well more people can find us and continue to get more information like this okay all right i'll talk to you all later have a good one and peace